Welcome everyone to Lavish Hope. This is your host, Liz Testa, and I'm so excited that we are beginning season three. Can't believe it. One year ago, we started with season one in the middle of pandemic, and here we are now with season three in this new year, 2022, seeing what it will bring. Already has had some surprises for us. But friends, I'm so excited today to be here with my good friend and sister in Christ, Crystal Wright. And she's going to just, I think, truly kick us off beautifully with this new season and also inspire us in the area of lavish hope, stories of resilience and overcoming. Welcome, Crystal Wright. So glad to have you here on the podcast. Thank you. Crystal, um, just so our listeners can get to know you a little bit, can you just just share a few little tidbits about yourself? Well, first off, I um, am a creator. Um, It is the way in which I connect with the greatest creator of all, our Heavenly Father. And so um, that has been interwoven through my life since day one. Um, I also am a mother of three teen boys. I have an 18, almost 16, and a 13-year-old. And um, they keep me busy. with <laughs> God bless you. And uh, music and, um, yeah, just being crazy boys in and of themselves. And uh, I always say I was created to be a boy mom. I have four brothers myself and the only girl. So it's what I know. The Lord knew what he was doing. And um, when I'm not creating and following my children everywhere, I work for Young Life here in the greater Holland area doing youth ministry with middle school and high school students where I lead um, and support groups of primarily college uh, leaders who run programs and go to camp and things of that nature and have other various um, tasks that I do with the ministry. And then just recently, October of 2021 took a position with our middle school, the middle school that my son goes to, and I am a graduation coach, which is a new position, and I get to walk along middle school kids who are falling through the cracks and just need someone to encourage, advocate, and support them so they can be successful. That's amazing. There's so much hope just in that alone, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, Crystal, just for our listeners who may not be familiar with Young Life, can you just quickly say a little bit about what that is? I sure can. Young Life is a nonprofit uh, worldwide organization, and we are introducing adolescents to Jesus Christ and walking with them in their faith. And so it is a parachurch ministry, and we are in local school districts here and around the world where we connect with kids. The primary way that we do this is relational ministry. We go to where kids are versus kids always coming to us. Mm-hmm. We do a club, which is kind of like a youth group get-togethers type of setting on a weekly basis. But the biggest component is we do contact work. And that looks like a lot of different things from 
going to baseball games, going to choir concerts, going to lunches and introducing ourselves to students to chaperoning dances and having one-on-one coffee or frozen yogurt dates with kids. So again, really building relationships with kids. We use a phrase, earning the right to be heard. And so we come onto their territory and they kind of guide us through what that looks like. We don't impose ourselves, but the biggest thing is we are consistent in showing up for kids. Um, It can be awkward when you're at a high school football game and you're trying to get to know kids in the middle of a student section, but um, all in all, it is worth every awkward moment when we get to also see the fruit of the labor and kids coming to Christ. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So Crystal, as we're going to enter into our conversation today about um, stories of hope, resilience, and overcoming, I just am so grateful that you took a couple minutes just to share about yourself, because I think in our world today, so many of us inside the church and out in the world, we're trying to figure out how do we keep encouraging the next generations? And especially now, both with these this pandemic, and I know you're based in West Michigan, I'm here in the New York City area, so it kind of looks a little bit differently in your context versus in my context, how we've responded in the midst of COVID. But I think the basic thing is the same, that there's a lot of trauma that's been that's been kind of happening as a result of the pandemic in different ways for all of us, but particularly for those, for our students, for our younger, younger folks. And then also, of course, we've had Um, racial injustices and sort of starting to excavate and interrogate some of that and seeing how we can transform those systems um, that have been uh, racist. Uh, And so that's also something that young people, it matters to young people, right? So I just am, I'm I'm just so encouraged to hear about the work that you're engaged in, both in your own home, (laughs) as well as in these multiple places out in the world and just thinking how inspiring that is to people. So thank you for coming to Lavish Hope today and being willing to share your perspective on our topic and using your life experiences and your calling to be able to inform that. I think that's going to bless people so much. So let's dig in. First question we always ask, what does resilience mean to you? How has it shaped, um, how has it been shaped by your past and um, maybe changed or deepened um, your own life experience and been shaped by those experiences? It's interesting because as you talk about youth and especially within the racial tension that we've experienced over the last few years, that word has come up a lot with our kids. Um, my kids personally, other dear friends and their children. And in all honesty, I found myself really pausing with that word and feeling attention because I think so often we expect our kids of color to be resilient. Mm-hmm. And as a woman of color through life, that has been kind of that um, unspoken expectation that black women are strong. We show no emotion. When things go down, we rise. And it has really manipulated, um, I would say, our ability to live emotionally healthy lives. And so in the midst of that, I had to reconstruct 
what I believe resilience really is. And one of the things that I noticed, especially through my journey, is that um, I like to use the word growth. And as I was creating with this word, um, it came up that I take the uh, letters and growth. It's God redefining our worth. Oh, say and that I one think, more time. Say that one more time. God redefining our worth. And what it requires of me is to surrender, to be moldable, to be pruned so that more fruit can grow. And I think um, all too often, I used to think that I was the farmer doing the pruning, that I got to pick and choose what went and what stayed. But um, very clearly, the Lord said, um, I am the one. I am the gardener who does that work. Um, and you want someone who's specialized in that work to do that work. Trust me, because I think we often will go to other arenas looking for that work to be done. And um, it may give some relief, but the gardener who really knows what he's doing and what is necessary knows how to do that in a gentle, patient way. And so I have found resilience is my ability to be transformed, to be transformed in who God has always intended me to be. Um, it's not a fun process, I will say that. And it requires um, going through some things that none of us want to go through. But as they say, in my weakness, his power is made perfect. And that is very true. That is just an amazing vision for what that is, what resilience means. Thanks for unpacking that for us. So do you have a story that uh, that you can share about this uh, story of being resilient and how that has shown up for you? Yes. Um, well, about three years ago, I found myself in a space and place that I never expected to be in my marriage. And um, something that I held with high esteem, thought that was going to last forever till death do us part came tumbling down. Mm -hmm. And I think... What is very difficult is when you watch something that you trusted in fall apart, it really messes with your mind. Yeah. Uh, wondering what is next? How am I going to get through this? And not in a financial way or how am I going to do life alone? But just, um, I think what I did not expect was the pain the physical pain, the emotional pain, the spiritual pain that came with it, that did bring me to a place where I had no one, nothing to rely on, but God and his faithfulness to me. Because my faith at the time was being questioned in every area because I thought 
20 something years ago, standing at the altar, a promise was made in Jesus's name. Mm -hmm. But as a dear friend said to me, the promise and covenant that the Lord made with me on that day has not been broken. And he had showed me through this process that indeed his covenant with me would remain and that we would stand at the altar forever. And that was a hard reality. Because um, when you think you know what you want and the Lord is trying to help you sift through all of that, um, it's not that you change what you want. You start to understand that there is something new that is still offered that joy is still there. Hope is still there. And I found myself oftentimes um, confusing wishful thinking for hope. Mm, Wanting something tangible to say, this is what I asked for. This is what I hoped for. And now we see the result of that in understanding um, Hope is a state of mind. Mm -hmm. And as I connect deeper with the Lord, that hope almost feels silly to have because it is not contingent on your circumstances. It is not an outcome. It just is a way of being. Mm -hmm. And so... Oftentimes when I felt this hopefulness, it felt strange and foreign to me because nothing was changing, but something in me was changing. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's where the resilience, the growth started to happen when I could let go of what I thought I was supposed to hold on to with dear life and fix and change and all the above. I mean, this was supposed to be the greatest love story. This was supposed to be this awesome miracle that was going to happen. And we were going to watch unfold as we pleaded and prayed for the Lord to do something different. And um, that is not what he did. But he filled me with a hope in a joy that I didn't expect. And sometimes I, of, I often feel, is it really real? Due to the circumstances, due to the things that still come up and the things that still have to be waded through. But it is very real and it is what sustains me. It's what wakes me up in the morning. It's what puts my feet on the ground and walk from one task to another. And um, yes, it is this unfathomable strength that comes when you know you have zero. Mm -hmm. And so... Yes, that journey walking, you know, with my kids, walking with family, um, and also feeling like 
it wasn't my responsibility to show them how to work out a marriage. It was my responsibility to show them what it was to really surrender to God and walk closely with him and do things you would not do on your own mm-hmm. to love in spite of, to right. hope in spite of, to have joy in spite of, to continue to live life fully and completely and be transformed and changed. Um, you know, I think of not only was I spiritually transformed, I mean, the Lord physically transformed me in this season. And understanding just the gift of, you know, he says, you know, take my yoke because it's easy and light. And he, re- I mean, he physically removed that weight so that I didn't have to carry that weight. Mm-hmm. And so to have that physical, tangible way in which God said, I've got you. I'm carrying you. I am keeping you. I'm taking care of you. Um, yes, there, there's nothing like it to yeah. always say to see God at work in the present, mm-hmm. in the here and now, not to look back and say, oh, this is what the Lord did, but to physically feel, to see what he is doing today. I mean, there's nothing like it. Yeah. So that seems like part of part of the the process for you is that you stay in the present. Yes. And I think that is for sure something that's very difficult in our society today. That's always either we've got the looker backers or we've got the forward thinkers, right? It's like either yeah. we're racing forward or we're stuck in the past, quote unquote, right? And so how do you stay present? And that's, you know, mindfulness practices. I mean, there's lots of different ways that people have found that that's very healthy to just those practices that help you stay centered in what's happening right now, present, right? Um, so, so a couple of things I just was hoping you could touch on. So you were talking about the covenant with God versus the covenant with your spouse. And I was wondering if you could just speak a little bit about that for folks that might not quite be familiar with that kind of thinking um, when you were saying that, because I think that was part of when you were clear about that, that's what really helped you to move through this season, right? To overcome the things that you overcame was that, that was kind of foundational along with this state of mind, the hope is a state of mind, God's strength being made perfect in our weakness, that piece as well, which is important. That's from scripture, but just how did you, how did you kind of hone in on that identification of those, you know, how those things were different for you? Well, I mean, one of the questions I first asked was, okay, so Lord, this is over. Mm -hmm. Like, is this really what, like, this is the plan you have for me? Is that my marriage is going to end? Because I think, you know, you start to hear those phrases, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle Um, if he sent it to you, he'll bring, you know, like he'll bring you through or everything happens for a reason. We use these cliche, um, very 
unfocused scripture without the context and just kind of stick it here and there. And those things started to play in my mind, like, okay, this is God's plan for, is it really God's plan for me to end my marriage like this? And I mean, I asked over and over, I need you to reveal. And I remember when that clicked for me, again, it was God saying, I did not break this covenant. I am keeping my promise to you. And so as someone who grew up in the Reformed Church and learning all the systems and ins and outs and, you know, the man and woman come together, they become one. And in that oneness, it doesn't happen just the two of us. There is God who is the center of that. He is the one who keeps, but he also gives this thing called free will. Mm-hmm. And so we do have a choice to step away from God, from that covenant. And as gracious and faithful as our Lord is, he says, I am right here. I will stay here and we will walk this. You know, I I think it's funny because, you know, every so often I'll see those post on social media, you know, I've got a new boyfriend and his name is Jesus, you know, (laughs) you know, and we laugh or roll our eyes or whatever. But when you come to a place where you understand the real love, the real care, you know, we use this word kept. Mm -hmm. I have this t-shirt and it says, God kept me, God kept me, God kept me, God kept me. And you know that that type of keeping will never go away. That is something that you can trust always in. It grounds you. It brings you to a next depth of understanding of who God is, what his character is like. When he says he is a promise keeper, when he says he is faithful, he is sovereign. It just really, it allows the pain and the suffering to kind of dissipate a little bit. It spreads out in a way where it's not so centered in your chest and you feel like you can't breathe and it's that rock in your stomach that Mm -hmm. stays there, it starts to move in the body. Mm -hmm. And it's not so concentrated. And there's a release and a relief there that happens. And I think for myself as a creator thinking of dance to be able to move and sift Mm -hmm. through that, to be able to sing and praise in the midst of that, to be able to paint and create canvases of what is happening. Um, Man, to be that intimate and connected and to know that 
on a very, very close level, I think it just changed everything. It changed the God that I had put in this little box that I had memorized verses about, that I sang little songs that I still remember. But it, I mean, it expanded. And here I am, 45 years old, have known the Lord my entire life. And little did I know that there was way more. To him and for me because of who he really is and truly is. And he continues to reveal himself in ways that I just would never have imagined. Amazing. Amazing. So, you know, the next questions that I usually ask you're already answering, of course, is where do you find resilience when you don't have it? And then where is a place that you find hope? And I love that you're talking about how you found this kind of holistic sense of healing and bringing you through right into this next season was through that connection of the spiritual and then this creative side of to to yourself. So I'm wondering if you could share, like, how did all of that start to come forward? And, you know, we're friends on Facebook. So I saw lots of your, um, you know, visuals as you were starting to live into this, you know, new level of, of artistic calling, if you will, or expression. Um, But maybe can you share a little bit about like that whole, like, how did all that happen? The process kind of what, what bubbled up out of that? Well, um, I think legalistically, initially, it was like, okay, this is the Christian thing to do. Okay. down, And I'm going to get in the word and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do all the right things to fix this. Mm. And as I was doing those things, there was, there wasn't the connection per se. And so One day, out of the blue, I decided that I was going to start writing these things out, writing these daily verses, writing um, these scripture passages, designing them, bringing life to them, not only in the words, but in the movement of the brush, the pen, And found that as that started to happen, something started to flow in a different way. And really feeling this connection with the Holy Spirit um, that we don't always talk about and don't always really connect and resonate with. But it started to move and flow in a way that, um, honestly, I really had not expected. And it became not only the words, but the colors starting to bring life to the words with adding other um, media and so forth. And just being able to see that visually. One of the things that I um, really wanted to do in the midst of this was getting how do how do I get my boys to 
get some of the stuff out of them. And so writing became really important. And I talk about how you need that physical piece of getting something out of your system. I mean, we don't realize how much that manifests in us physically when we hold on to the thoughts, the lies, or whatever it may be that start to infiltrate our minds and so forth. And so it was really important as I began to do this on a regular basis, realizing it was my lifeline. It was the way in which I was connecting with the Lord. And it was, you know, there are days where, I mean, I had to do it every day. And there were moments where, I mean, I would spend hours and hours just painting and writing and doing those different things. And it was healing. Mm, praise God. It was necessary. And to then to be able to, again, see it, see it out of my body and on paper and to see that journey. And I think what was interesting and important to me was that I held this in sacred space but also was able to share in a way that didn't impose my story on other people, but people resonated with it within their own story. And I think that's something that I try really to be conscious about because everyone's story is so different. Mm-hmm. Yes, other people get divorced. Yes, other people experience pain, but no two stories are the same. And so, how do I share what God is asking me to share without making someone get tripped up because then they want to follow that? It's, you know, it's like, well, maybe if I do that then that'll change my circumstances. Or maybe I do that. Or you know what? Let me get, we're so into getting advice or giving advice and not really understanding someone's full circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so often I would find myself trying to manipulate what was going on. Well, this is what so-and-so did. So let me try this. And if I'm really honest, there are often times where I think God needs my help. I was just recently talking to a friend of mine who was like, yeah, sometimes I like, can I just help you a little bit here? And um, I don't know what your voice, what God sounds like in your head, but he's, he's very quick to say, sweetie, I'm good. <laughs> let me do this. Yeah. You know, and it is, it's hard Mm -hmm. to let go and let him do that. When I think maybe if you just did this, Mm -hmm. this, this, this would, this would be helpful. This, this would change things. And I think that too is just understanding how change is going to happen. 
even when it doesn't happen the way in which I want it to happen. Mm-hmm. And that takes trust. Because the things that I was promised, so were others. Yeah. And so to still trust that God is doing the work that I might not see. Right. That um, I think is absolutely not happening mm-hmm. <laughs> because of what I see. And the Lord is like, no, I've got this. Mm-hmm. That's so good. So I'm just thinking about your sons. You said that you also invited your sons to participate in this exercise, right? In this sort of creative expression. How did that, can you, can you share a little bit about like how, like how that went for them? Did they all respond? Did they all respond positively? <laughs> Was that, you know, Cause again, as you said, everybody's story is different. And so I'm just wondering about that piece. You know, there's something about trying to do something new and different that's awkward. Mm-hmm. And for someone who typically, I shouldn't say, yeah, typically still do, who has a, a hard time with change in the sense of if it feels funny, then just don't bother. Right. You know, and so... It, it was not this easy thing to start. You know, I was, I mean, we were all very intentional about being present in what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one of the things we really wanted to do well was trying to break this mold of stuffing everything down, compartmentalizing everything. And so one of the ways I I actually reached out to a dear friend and said, Hey, I've got middle school through high school boys. What do I do with this process? And she gave me some great tips of, you know, giving them space to decide whether they were or were not Mm -hmm. giving them options and not trying to go so deep right away. Um, And then also giving them space where they didn't have to share what was written. Um, One of the things after, you know, a lot was revealed, we had like a little burning ceremony where I had them write whatever they wanted to write using whatever words they wanted to use and no one else would read it, but we needed to get it out of our system. And then we threw them in a fire. So good. Um, checking in with, you know, sometimes it was a matter of me just writing some prompts in their journal and having them respond and then hand the journal back to me. Um, And so we did it pretty regularly, weekly, um, through, you know, it's not something we do a ton now um, because a lot of that happened during the pandemic. Well, in the heat of the pandemic, let's say. And so we weren't doing much other than being together. Yeah. And so it did lend itself um, time and space for something new and different. And I mean, and even when I think of that, just I, I don't know what this would have looked like had we not been home, had we been mm-hmm. having to work and 
do things like normal, yeah, it would have. I mean, I I do believe that would have tilted the scale one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a gifted space for myself personally to be able to do this. Like I said, in a more sacred space, mm-hmm. and to journey with them in that. Um, do they love to write now? No. <laughs> <laughs> but it is definitely a tool that I hope that they will remember and use. Um, yeah, yeah, from here I, on out. I think there's just, it's, you know, we're, so there's a couple things that are coming up for me is just, I mean, number one, yes, that you, you were blessed with that time that you and your boys were home. And so there was dedicated space, as you said, sacred space to be able to honor that process because there weren't other things to occupy the time or to distract. And also just, you know, wondering now so many of us, as so many of us are doing, how do we, how do we hold on to some of those things that did show up during the pandemic that were a blessing that really did help us, you know, live better, live more deeply, love more, heal more, you know, all of that good stuff. And um, so I'm just, you know, I'm sure there's, I'm sure our listeners are just already gleaning some great tips here for, you know, that type of process and how to invite our our own selves and our family members, particularly our children, how to travel and, and engage in it as well. So I think there's still things that can be picked up. The other thing that's really resonating for me too, Crystal, is this notion of, you know, when you have to go out into the world, you have to put kind of a brave face on many times, right? To be able just to get through the day, just to be able to do what you have to do in front of other people. And so there is something to be said for making sure COVID times or non-COVID times, that you are honoring that need for that time away to be able to ha- lay bare what needs to be laid bare. And that I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, that's, that's really speaking to me in terms of you sharing um, your journey is that, that you really did that, that was a big part for you of that kind of overcoming, moving through that season was to be able to, to have that space. So um so I'm wondering then um, what, you know, you're talking about, you had to express these scriptures. So I'm wondering what favorite verses did you use? What what helped you and inspired you as you were seeking to embrace hope and be resilient? Well, I know there's well, a lot of them. <laughs> I would say um, there were three that primarily... Um, I would say the first was the first words from his word that came to me when this all started. And that was, um, wait on the Lord, be strong and take courage and wait on the Lord. And the funny thing of it is, is that was the, that was all I had. And so later on realized the verse that, uh, precedes that verse is I will remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So wait on the Lord, be strong and take courage and wait on the Lord. And that was just that reminder that um, I wasn't waiting for his second coming. I wasn't waiting for my, you know, to die and go to heaven and all these things were changed and whatnot. I was waiting for him to do something now here today. And so that was, um, 
a gift. The second one was, um, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may be overflowing with hope. And that again, was just that comfort verse that as I was trusting God to do what he said he was going to do through that journey. And as I mentioned before, that's where the hope began, began to grow and flourish. Yeah. And then the third verse is um, good old Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And it was actually one of the first verses that I shared with the boys in the midst of that journey. And it was also this little sweet gift that it was actually the first verse that I had taught the boys and they had memorized. And so I have a video of them. And I think they're probably two, four, and six of the four of us saying that verse together. Oh, my. That's amazing. And so, yes, those were big, yeah, huge pieces of wisdom and promises that I held on dearly. That's amazing. So it's the Proverbs 3, and then also the, the first is from Psalm 27. Yes. Yep. And, then, and then Romans 15, just if our listeners want to go and look up in their Bibles. So that's so beautiful. And just that's part of that scene, right? That God has this a sort of the sovereignty of God of just having prepared you back then for that. Yes. So I'm also wondering... Um, you know, just thinking about as you've started to do this expression, right, in creating this beautiful artwork, there's those of us that have sort of, you know, seen it, and now it's become quite something. So um, I would love it if you have a little time to share with us kind of then how God kind of took it to the next level um, of of like sort of what it's become. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, little did I know that as it started to surf, I mean, and I was posting on social media daily, really. Um, and especially in the heat of the racial tension, I had created a piece that said Black Lives Matter. And someone was like, oh, you should make posters. Oh, you should do this. And then someone was like, you should make stickers. I was like, stickers. Hmm. <laughs> That's interesting. And so I said, sure, let me look into that. And so I did. And the next day, having no idea. I mean, I had done some pieces for different friends and so forth here and there, but nothing. I mean, maybe two or three people had pieces up there that I had created. And I um, ended up posting on Facebook that I had these stickers for sale <laughs> and I walked away. Later on that night, I had a friend text me and was like, 
Um, do you want me to go on your Facebook page and sort through these orders and put <laughs> oh them in a goodness. spreadsheet? And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> She's like, you need to look at your Facebook page. Oh my word. And so I, so I went from order. I mean, I ordered 25 stickers. Mm-hmm. And when all was said and done with that one sticker alone, I had sold almost 500. Hey, amazing. That's so crazy. And but for so, God, I mean, that's, you know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so from there, um, I had, I actually, <laughs> when you do art daily, eventually mm-hmm. it's like, what am I going to do with all this? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is definitely pieces of my life like a, you know, any other journal and you don't sell those to other people. <laughs> right. But, um, I had pictures of everything. And so we did a black market around Juneteenth and I brought out probably 12, 15 um, books, 30 page, you know, multimedia watercolor paper mm-hmm. pads and basically said take and tear you can tear out what speaks to you in those and so yeah it was very interesting because people were like so we just take you know wh- where where did this come from I said well really it's the story of my life over the last mm-hmm. year and a half mm-hmm. and I think the gift for me is to hear the stories and see the photos of this is where I put this picture so that I see and am reminded of this truth daily. Or when I get to do Zoom meetings and I see my, you know, a picture (laughs) in the background of the wall of something I've created, or I see someone out wearing a t-shirt of a design and, um, You know, people often ask, like, is this going to be the next endeavor? Is this going to be the next business? And um, I'll be honest, right now, it is a sacred gift that the Lord and I have together. And Mm -hmm. every so often, He allows me to, um, yeah, gain more resources from this gift. But one thing that I'm really trying to hold true to for myself, and I know this is not everyone's situation, but I do not ever want this to become a task that I just do. Um, This was a gift Mm -hmm. and I don't want that to ever feel any different than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That this is something that the Lord has given me as a gift that I do get to share with others, but it's more importantly, it's my worship. Mm -hmm. It is the way that I get to connect deeply with the faithful sovereign God who continues to walk me through growth and transformation and gives abundantly more than what I could ever ask or imagine. This was ne- I mean, this was never going to be something that I would put out to the world. Um, not in this way anyway, right, right. but 
there are those, there are definitely moments where the Lord says, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Well, I mean, in my world, like I've got that, I've got one of those stories, right. Of like where the Lord was like, yeah, let's do this. And so, you know, just to share from, from our perspective, from the ministry that I, um, lead women's transformation and leadership in the Reformed Church in America, we had this beautiful new Bible study, Women of the Bible study series, volume one. We had been working with our designer to come up with what was the design of the book going to be. We just couldn't land on it because it was, we were trying not to be like your ladies Bible study, right? Kind of looking kind of traditional. And yet we didn't, um, we weren't looking for it to be too edgy either. And we wanted it to be for the whole church, for men and women, boys and girls, all God's children to be able to engage with these stories of women in the Bible in new ways. And I was praying and praying on who do we have? Where is this artist? Well, I was thinking designer at first. Where's the designer that's going to help? And suddenly there you are in my Facebook feed. (laughs) I was like, it could be Crystal. Could it be Crystal? Is that who it is? And of course, you know, the rest is history. I reached out to you and you were like, I think, I, I think yes. And just to say that, that beautiful artwork where you combine the words of scripture with, you know, just beautiful watercolor kind of just, you know, visuals. Sometimes, you know, definitely we can tell what it is other times, just sort of like a wash of color, but just the way that that has been such a a key component, a foundational component of what this, these, these books are. We're now coming out with volume two, which you've also provided the artwork for. And what, and then just for all of us to kind of rumble through, what does it mean to to have an artist that's coming and it's not just stock photos or stock, you know, drawings or what have you, what does that look like? So it was this real process that we went through and the way that it's blessed people. And I'm just thinking of um, this uh, woman that I know, Michelle Thompson, she's got a uh, kind of a, a broad, um, it's a Montessori homeschool. Um, training center, as well as the school itself that she runs in Minnesota in the Twin Cities. And she leads this Bible study. And what she does is she's Montessori, right? So it's all sensory. Mm -hmm. So she has been taking those visuals and she puts them, she prints them out beautifully on, on color paper. She puts them in a frame. And then as she's delivering her message and sharing the Bible study, she has that visual sitting mm. next to her on a little, you know, with a Christ candle and, you know, things, uh, the Bible open. And it's just a beautiful, like it's, she's been able to kind of make it incorporated into her. So it's this kind of ripple effect that as you are willing to share your gift in the way that, you know, God gave you that, you know, kind of, uh, this is your assignment. It's okay for you to participate in this, in this way, the way that then we were being faithful to do, you know, create this resource, which was kind of a new thing for our ministry and the ripple effect that it's having and the ways that people are able to take the resource and then be able to use it to bless others. It's just so, it's a beautiful, it's very incarnational, right? It's incarnational ministry. And it's just showing how this, you were talking about being created, right? The created and creating as those made in the image of God that were able to continue to help bring this word to life for others and touch hearts with it, right? Touch hearts with it. So I wanted to share that with you and also with our listeners of the ways that you have, um, 
you're you, you're bringing your your gift to us and being willing to share it with us has had that ripple effect. Um, so yeah, really beautiful. So so do you have um, any projects that you're working on right now that you want to share with us or um, anything that we need to know about that's coming up to keep an eye out for? Well, Besides our Women of the Bible Volume 2 that's coming, of course, they'll be able to see you, your beautiful artwork in that. And it's so beautiful because Volume 1 and Volume 2, you do a little different treatment of in both studies. It's a little different. So it's kind of fun now having heard your story today to think about you know, how, how the creativity is expressed in both of those. But yes, anything else that, that we need to know about? Well, um, as I always say, I, like I said, I don't do anything big. I don't have a website. You can find me on Facebook and I generally will just, you know, sell from there if there's anything that's out. But I will say, and I probably should put this in the air so that I can follow through <laughs> on it, is I'm going to take sabbatical this summer. And one of the things that's part of my sabbatical is to create a interactive planner of some spiritual practices, daily routines. And so um, my guess is that would not come to be until 2023, but that is something that I will be working on this summer. Wonderful. Well, everybody's going to want to friend you on Facebook or at least uh, check you out on Instagram too, right? Are you on Instagram? Yeah, yes. I am on Instagram. So Instagram or Facebook so that we can follow along for that now that we know that that's in the works and we yeah. can certainly put that to prayer on your behalf too. Um, so anything else that you want to share with our listeners about cultivating hope, resilience, overcoming any last little words of wisdom before we sign off for today? I think um, in light of, you know, I'd mentioned having the space to kind of do this in a sacred space with my family. The other thing that I thought was very ironic is that God was cultivating these gifts in me that were going to be out in my community. Um, I was asked to preach for the very first time. Um, in the midst of that, which has then grown into other opportunities to speak, um, the art, you know, being put out into the world. And I think the thing of it is, is that, yes, you, you need both that space to be able to quietly and be still and connect with the Lord in that intimate space. But I also think you can't spread hope if you're not willing to be out there into the world. Mm. And so it was um, like, I'll never forget it in the midst of the beginning of my journey. My leaders had asked me to give the first club talk of the semester. And this was coming off of, you know, a day or two of some really hard, um, days and information and so forth. And I thought, really? Hmm. Like, come on, you do not want me to speak right now. Do you? And learning to be, (laughs) I mean, I almost think authentic is not even the best word to call it, but to more or less be raw Mm -hmm. 
vulnerable and out right? in mm-hmm. front of someone else to say, if I didn't know who God was, if I didn't remember the foundation, I would be a mess right now. There's no way that I would speak in front of anyone, but just understand the importance that people need to know this. Yeah. That there are times in our lives where things will not make sense. That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is so important. It's it's almost that warning, like you will get to that space where nothing makes sense. And you're going to try your hardest to put your spin on it. And, you know, when he says, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, he is not joking. Mm. But, and when, if you trust me, I will, I will, I promise I will walk you through. And so allow not only the space, the sacred, intimate space, but have those spaces that are a little more out in the open to be raw and real Mm -hmm. and to watch what Jesus is going to do with that. Mm. Mm. And how you mentioned the Holy Spirit before, how the Holy Spirit is going to show up and move. And that's part of that whole, the creativity, right? Because you're not just talking now about the visual images that you've created. You're talking about preaching. You're also a liturgical dancer. You're a singer. I mean, that full expression of gifting then is Mm -hmm. is released. Yes to bless and inspire others. Yep. That is powerful, Crystal Wright. Oh my goodness. You have kicked off season three in a glorious form. Thank you so much for being with us today. And um, we just, I pray all God's blessings on you as you continue to allow God to lead you and guide you. And um, may you just flourish in all these beautiful ways that you're looking forward to in your sabbatical. And may the fruits be rich and ripe and full that come of it. Thank you. God bless you and your family. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast today. You're welcome. If you haven't taken the time, subscribe to Lavish Hope anywhere that you listen to podcasts to stay updated and have access to episodes as soon as they drop. We have many exciting, hope-filled things planned for 2022. Grateful to all of you that have made Lavish Hope a wonderful success in 2021. This episode is brought to you by faithword.org, an online learning community where you'll find ideas for living out your faith, reflections on scripture and church, stories about how other Christians are following God's call, and resources to bring your own church or organization along for the ride. The Lavish Hope podcast is produced by Anna Radcliffe with assistant production by Lorraine Parker. Sound design by Garrett Steyer and web support by Grace Ryder and Barb Ellis.